Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. So it is good to see you, and so we're going to have a a special service this morning just celebrating what God has done through the ministry of Lewis and his family, and we're so thankful for him, and we're going to get that to the moment. But let's go ahead and just ask God to bless this morning. Father, we just thank you for just a beautiful morning to come and celebrate your presence and express our love to you. Lord, even as we recognize Lewis and, and his ministry into the gospel, it's all because of you. All glory goes to you. And let us be reminded of that this morning. Thank you that we can combine here in several churches this morning, that we can just come together, and Lord, in unity, knowing that we trust and love you and we're submitted to the Lordship of Christ. And Father, may he be glorified as we give this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. May the Lord bless every single one of you guys. It's a beautiful day to be here in the presence of the Lord, in this wonderful church that God has given us. And it is a great privilege and a great honor to come before you guys and present the gospel, present the the good news of Jesus Christ. There's going to come times, very difficult times that we're living in these days, that we got to be able to preach the word. we got to be able to present the gospel the way it is and not with other heresies or other things out there in the world that a lot of people are bringing into the church and it's not the gospel of Christ. It's another gospel. It's something else. And they got all these churches filled up, but the word of God is not being preached. The word of God has been forgotten. And it is important that we preach the word of God. And there was a young man in the Bible. His name was Timothy. And he was always encouraged and always going forward. Paul used to tell Timothy, and Paul was a great servant of God. He was a great man of God. He had many accomplishments in his life. But he considered all his accomplishments as trash. He said, you know what? I've gone to the university. I've gone to seminary. I've been trained as as a Pharisee. I've been trained as a Jew. But you know what? All those things are a loss to me to gain the knowledge and the power of Jesus Christ. And when Paul says that, being a man that was well-educated, having so much in his life, and now this young Timothy is ready to take the pastoral role. He's ready to to preach in Ephesus. But there was a couple problems in Ephesus. And Paul, being in jail in Rome, when he was released, he wrote the first book of Timothy. And he told Timothy, Timothy, there are a couple things that I have to tell you. There are a couple things that The church is going through. But as a pastor, as a young man of God, I want you to be vigilant. I want you to be trusting in the Lord all the time. Don't trust in your understanding. Don't trust in your abilities. Don't trust in your knowledge. But trust in the wisdom of God because he will make that knowledge better when you have the wisdom of God. And Paul there in prison. And you can imagine how Paul was feeling Lonely, without anything. But then he writes these letters because he knows the importance that Timothy has to preach the word of God. 
And let me tell you a little bit about this country. This country was founded under God's principles and under God's values. But it seems that in your dollar bill, if you look at the dollar bill in the back, it says, it says there, in God we trust. But then it says the United States of America. And then right in the bottom, there's a little statement there that says, in God we trust. But the big question is, are we really trusting God? Are we really living for God's word? You know, we've come a long way from the days when government and its institutions openly admitted that we needed God to have this nation work. In Washington, the first president of the United States said, it is impossible to govern a nation without the Bible and the word of God. And Nixon also said that. And Abraham Lincoln also said that. They were people of God, men of God. What really impresses me is that You know, in in our public life, we either have ignored God or we are open, hostile to him. Symbols that remind us of God is not allowed in public places. Even the national anthem, sometimes you can't even pronounce it in the classrooms. Our teachers may not even say his name. Celebrities name him frequently in films and TV, but usually as a curse. It is not unusual for a nation to ignore God. Take, for example, a nation where you have a dictatorship, one-person rule government. Usually when a nation prospers, the people ignore God. Like the people of Israel, when God used to prosper them, they were forgetting about God. They were going into other idols. They were worshiping other gods. And God, the Almighty, used to bring him back again and tell them, hey, guys, you guys are going astray. You guys are going in another direction. You got to come back to me. I will bless you, but you got to follow my word. Lots of times we have ignored God and his commandments at our pearl. Families, institutions, whole cultures crumble when they ignore God. Our nation suffers with complex problems of crime, drug abuse, broken homes, teenage pregnancy, AIDS, abortion, child abuse, homelessness. All these problems are noted in our choices to ignore God. In other words, we need to stand as Christians, as born-again uh, uh, children of God, with courage and the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat these things in our society. We need to be the light of the world, like the Bible says. We need to be the salt of this world. Because many people need to be, put a little bit of salt in their food so they can taste it better. And that is the presence of Jesus Christ in their lives. We need to make changes in our lives. The changes always start with us. We need to recognize that only God can help us in our daily problems. We need to recognize that we are insufficient, but God is sufficient. We need to recognize that we are low, but God is high. We need to recognize that he is the most powerful God, and we don't have anything. We are reckless without him. We are filthy rugs, like the Bible says. We're nothing without Christ. You can accomplish many things in this life. You can become a good engineer. You can become a good pilot. I mean, anything. But the best thing that you can do, you and I, is to become the the servant of Jesus Christ. That is the best thing we can do in this world. There's nothing better. You may say, well, i got a good job. Thank the Lord. I have this and that. Hey, praise the Lord for that. He has given it to you. You haven't earned it. 
Many people boost themselves about that. And I tell them, you know what? God has given you the life. God has given you the permission for you to be able to do what you have done in life. It's nothing ours. Everything belongs to God. And when you recognize that, God will guide you. In other words, we need to be humble before the Lord. In other words, we need to say, Lord, I am not worthy of anything, but you are the worthy God. I am not worthy of nothing, but Lord, I have this because it has been your purpose and it has been your commitment to me. And now, Lord, I want to commit myself to you. Wow, God is good. So Paul writes to Timothy on this first letter. And he tells Timothy, Timothy, fight the good fight. Be in the word of God. Train, instruct. But overall, preach the word of God. Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what changes people. Not a lot of philosophy. Not a lot of science. There's a lot of good writings in other books. But I find these the ultimate and the absolute best writing of all. And when you put the Bible in your heart, when you put the Bible in your mind, things start happening in your life. You become a new person. The Bible says all things have passed away. All things become new. And you start experiencing God's love. And you say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for going to that cross and dying for me about 2016 years. Thank you for going over there and dying for me and giving me hope. So in that first book... Paul is telling Timothy, be careful in your ministry. Be careful how you conduct yourself. Be careful how you speak. Be careful what, how you do things. Don't be afraid to go forward because God will be in the, in, 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 go in the offensive and God will be defending you in the offense and defending you in the back. If you stumble, don't worry. God will pick you up again. And he's telling Timothy, train, instruct, but overall preach the word of God, which is able to teach, which is able to instruct, which is able to correct, which is able to rebuke. Therefore, the man can become mature, well-trained in the gospel of Jesus Christ or in the service of the Lord. And then he tells them, you know what? There are some people that may come and might want to change the word of God May want to take another direction, but you keep on preaching of what you have learned. And remember, Timothy was raised in a Christian home. Lois, his grandmother, Eunice, the, the mother. He, they trained him into the Word of God in the Old Testament. And Timothy knew the Word of God. And I would say that the best training you can have is at home. It's not really at church, but it's at home. And when we train our kids, those kids are going to become what you have trained them to be. And some may say, well, Lewis, sometimes, you know, they may astray, they may go another way, but it doesn't matter. If you do your job, God will bring him back to the remnant. But we have to do what God has called us to do. And back in those days in Ephesus, when young pastor Timothy 
was taken in charge because he had traveled with Paul many times in his second missionary and his third missionary. Uh, they, they were going all over the world, you know, from Jerusalem all the way to Rome, preaching in Damascus. I mean, you name it. I'm not going to go through all that face there on, on the map, but they were going and preaching the word and bringing other people to Christ. And Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, there are people who are Gnostics in the community, Gnostics in the church. And there are people who are legalists. Be careful of these people. And there's also asceticisms. There's people who have set of rules, but they don't want to comply with the rules of God. And Gnosticism, you know, in the second century, these people were claiming that salvation can only be gained by secret knowledge or works. In other words, you had to work your salvation. But the Bible tells us, and it's very clear in the Bible, that salvation is for everyone. And it comes from the grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. But there were also legalists. The legalists used to say, hey, we got to observe the seventh day. When Jesus was trying to make a miracle, they stopped them and said, well, what is this, Jesus? Why are you making this miracle on the seventh day? Don't you know what the law says? Oh, my God. Come on, guys. <laughs> Jesus didn't know the law. Right. Oh, wow. But the Pharisees were speaking to him that way. And they were telling him, hey, you're not allowed. You know, we're resting this day. And Jesus said, I'm resting too. What are you talking about? So he touches the man and, and he heals the guy. And it, it becomes a, a, a very legalistic issue in, back in those days. Oh, when the disciples were ready to eat something or get something and they wouldn't wash their hands. Oh my God, they made it a big deal. The Bible is very clear that when we go, we can go to God anytime. And it's open to everyone. There were another set of people who were the asceticisms, a set of rules. They, they said that you have to be able to remove worldly obstacles between the believer and God. Doing away with greed, ambition, pride, sex, pleasurable food intended to help subdue the animal nature and develop the spiritual nature. The set of rules that we need is from the Bible. It's from the word of God. It's not a set of rules that man has made, but this is the holy word of God that was breathed from God and given to the holy man, wrote, about, wrote the 66 books in this book, and it changes people because I've seen so many people come to Christ and say, Lord, I, I'm not sufficient. I cannot do things by myself, but I need you, Lord. But a lot of these people thought, hey, we got to go. We got to do this. We got to do that. And then, but the Bible says it's only by grace that we are saved. You don't have to do anything. God did everything for us on the cross of Calvary. About 2,000 years ago, he went there. He died for us. He gave his life in ransom for what? The whole entire world. All you need to do is recognize him as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says you will be saved. And then the second, the second letter, Paul tells Timothy... Timothy, 2 Timothy, he continues instructing him. And this is very critical here because when Paul wrote the second letter, he was put in jail again in Rome 
And he was almost getting ready to be executed. And this great man of God was lonely. He felt by himself. And don't we sometimes? Sometimes I tell my wife, you know what? Pray for me because, I don't know, I feel weird today. (laughs) Because we all go through that. And Paul reached that point in his life when he was lonely and he needed someone. And he wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy, when are you going to come and visit me, bro? Well, he probably didn't say bro, you know. And Timothy tells him, I will be there. But get all these, you know, all these books. And, and I wonder why, why Paul wanted all those books and other scrolls and all that. Because he wanted to leave it to other people to keep preaching the word of God. He was always thinking ahead to get the gospel going, to continue preaching the word of God. Marvelous man. You imagine he was in jail, and the Bible says he was singing. You'll be in jail, man. You'll be thinking, why in the world am I in jail? But he was singing to the Lord. And when he sang to the Lord, something beautiful happened because one time, you know, those chains fell from him. Because there is something in that name of Jesus that when we call upon his name, he is powerful to do what you cannot do for yourself. There are really great men in the Bible that has transformed society. God has transformed it through them. There's a late Charles Colson was a profoundly changed man. He went from being one of the most powerful and feared men in Washington, D.C., to a guilty prisoner, to a redeemed servant of Jesus Christ. R.C. Scroll said the following, and quote, The only freedom that man ever has is when he becomes a slave to Jesus Christ. The famous Dwight L. Moody Collapsed in Kansas City, returning by train to his home in Massachusetts. There in the upstairs room, he drifted in and out of consciousness. Talking to his family as he was dying. At one point, looking at those around him, he said, quote, I have always been an ambitious man. Ambitious to leave no wealth or possession, but to leave lots of work for you to do. A few minutes later, he said, this is my triumph in Christ. This is my coronation day in Christ. I have been looking forward for years, and I think my time has come. And shortly afterward, he passed into the presence of Christ. The Lord wants us to be ambitious for his sake. He wants us to be ambitious to preach in the word of God, not for fame or fortune, but for doing his will, leaving works for others. We are to take the work from those who preceded us and hand it off to those who follow us. Effective ministry begins with a heartfelt concern for other Christians and a consecration to sharing the gospel with others. It cannot be for personal notice or gain. It is effective for God's glory. Dwight L. Moody said on his deathbed, quote, I want to live as long as I am useful. But when my work is done, I want to be up and off in the presence of the Lord. And I want to read a couple of verses for you, where in the second book of Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy 
that the ministry is not going to be easy. But trust in the Lord. And please open up your Bibles real quick. I know time really flies here when you're having fun, when you're having a good time. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Jesus Christ. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Look at how Paul used to call Timothy, his beloved son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, I thank God for whom I've, I've served for my forefathers with pure conscience. That without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of my tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfaith faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in my grandmother, Lois, and thy mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of, of my hands. And listen to this wonderful verse in the Bible. And this is what I want to spend a couple more minutes, and then we're pretty much done. Where it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power, of love, and sound mind. I read again, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. What a wonderful words that Paul is telling Timothy in this second book. Now, Timothy, you don't have to fear about anything. Look, there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be hard times coming in your life. There's going to be hard times coming into the ministry. But you know what? You have the power of God because God has defeated the world. And if God has defeated the world, you will also do it. What a wonderful promise. And he tells him, don't be afraid. Don't panic. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. But you go forward. Praising God, having God in your heart, having God in your mind. Like, like the Bible says, that we should love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. That is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And if we do those commandments, I think God is going to help you, Timothy, to be able to become what God has intended for you in this life. And my friend, I want to tell you, when Paul was telling Timothy, you know, he was ready to be executed, being in jail in Rome by the power of Nero. He was the governor. He was controlling Rome at that time. And Paul being in jail, it wasn't an easy thing, knowing that within a week or two weeks, you're going to be executed. You're going to be killed. But Paul knew exactly his destiny. Paul knew exactly where he was going after this life. Paul knew exactly his trust that he has put in Christ and the work that God has commanded him to do, it has been finished. And I'm just waiting to be executed and to be in the presence of the Lord like Dwight L. Moody said. I have finished my work, and there's a triumph that's waiting for me. There's glorious moments that are waiting for me in heaven. And my heavenly Father has gone there to prepare wonderful things, house of gold, and you name it, like the Bible says. 
And we're going to be enjoying the power of God there. And remember when God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Because remember when God delivered his people from, from the bondage and the, and the suffering and all the things that they were going with Pharaoh? And God told them, you know what? I'm going to deliver you from there. And they walked in the wilderness about 40 years. And sometimes they, they repented and they said to Moses, Moses, why don't we go back again where we came from? At least we have something to eat there. You have brought us here and we're dying, we're starving. But they forgot about God. They were more concentrating in, in whatever they were eating, but the presence of God was still there, but they wouldn't recognize it. They were going other other gods, worshiping other gods, and, and God told them, come back to me, my sons, my daughters. And by his power, God delivers them from there. He opens up the Red Sea. And all his people cross, and then Pharaoh tries to come behind them, and then he closes the Red Sea again. Isn't that the great power of Jesus Christ, of our Lord and Savior, Almighty God? Or when you talk about the heavens and the earth, and you look around, and you look at all the nine planets out there, isn't that the power of God that makes all that work? Or when you're in the ocean and you start seeing the waves come, and how come those waves don't go beyond that limit line? Because God is in control. Because God is controlling all that. And that is the mighty power that God has, my friends. Or when he delivered Joshua, and he told Joshua, Joshua, you go fight. I'll be right there. I'll be with you. There's a lot of enemies that are coming. They don't want anything with me. They don't want anything with God. They blaspheme my name. They destroy my name. They don't want anything with the Bible. You know what? These guys are not worthy to be here. I love them. But they continue on their sins. They continue blaspheming my name. And Joshua took a couple of men and went and trusted God. And God, with his great power, delivered his people from those enemies. And what can we say about the power that Jesus Christ had when he, on his crucifixion, being on the cross? He said, Father, forgive him because they do, do not know what they're doing. Oh, Father, forgive him because they don't understand what's going on. But he was there being crucified. He was there, and then when, in, his, in his burial, when he was there for three days, but then, my friend, on that third day, he resurrected with so much power. And that same power that is in Jesus is within us. That same power that is in Jesus is in, in us. He's going to make us capable to continue preaching the word of God until he comes. And we are waiting for him to come. We don't know when. And then he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he has given you a, a spirit of power, and he has given you a spirit of love. It's agape love. He makes us whole. He makes us come together. And that love that is unconditional, like my three sons, every time they do something wrong, and I tell them, you know what, I have to correct you guys. I have to discipline you guys because I don't think this was right. Or what do you think? I always ask him. Well, they're always going to say, I, I, it's right, Dad. It's right. But then I tell him, but what does the Word of God says? You guys love God? 
And they say, yes. So let's go with what the Bible says. It's not really all, all up to me, but what does the Bible say? And that love that I have for them, even if I have to correct them, it's unconditional. But now imagine the love of the Father. It is perfect. It's absolute. There's no error in it. In that wonderful love of Christ, that's what makes you love others, your enemies, people who do bad things to you. You say, oh, man, how can I love this brother? Man, he's making my love terrible. He's always telling me things. He's always booing me and all kinds of things and calling me names and all that. You know what? The love of God can make you love that guy. The love of God can make you respect that person. Even if you don't have respect, God is a respectful of persons. He respects us. He wants us also to be able to respect others. Oh, my friend, when we experience the love of God in our lives, we are saying, God, show me your perfect love. I want to love others like you love me. And first of all, we never really loved God. We loved him because he loved us first. We love him because he showed his perfect love on the cross. And when we come to him, we experience that new love and we can give it to others. And then he says, finally, he says self-control. I have given you a spirit of self-control. He will guide you into all truth. All that selfishness as a person is removed. There's a lot of people who are selfish. For me, for me, for me. Or nobody else. And God says, no, you got to share with other people. Maybe they're less fortunate than you. But God will also give us that self-control, self-minded. He will always help us. My friend, look, there's, in the world, we're going to experience a lot of tribulation. In the world, we're going to experience a lot of trouble. In the world, we're going to experience a lot of hunger, suffering, disease, all kinds of things. But God is telling us, Put your trust in me, and I will guide you all the time. He has given us self-control to say no to those things that are bad. I really hate it whenever they put these signs in the freeway and they say all these adult stuff and all that. Oh, my God. I say, where in the world are we going in this, with this world? But then when I saw the other sign the other day is, be prepared. Jesus is coming. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. Well, at least we're waking up and we're putting something on the freeways too. Praise God for that. We're not going to let the enemy take over because God is powerful than the enemy. He has the power and he has given it to us. And it's in our heads and it's in our minds. We have the power. We have his greatest love. And we have the self-control. My friend, what are we waiting to be followers of Christ? There's nothing good in this world. Well, what's good in this world? Work? I hate to work, but I have to work. <laughs> oh, you do. You love to work? Let us go forward and work hard for the Lord. God puts us where he wants to put you. God has given you a gift. Use that gift for his glory. Let him reign. Let him 
overwhelm your life with his presence, with his power, with his love, and with the self-control that he gives us. And you will never be the same again. I guarantee you that. You'll be a changed man. And you will understand that this life is temporary. We have an eternal life that's coming when Christ comes. And we are waiting for that. And no matter how much you accomplish in this life, no matter how much you have in this life, how much money you have, it doesn't matter how much you have. You know what? But if Christ is not there, it's worthless. But what I'm saying is that God has called everyone to have a godly ambition. Like Dwight L. Moody did. He had a godly ambition, not for fortune or fame, he said. But to leave a legacy so others can follow Christ after me. God will make you effective to the ministry when, when you submit to him. God will make you effective to the ministry when you come with a humble heart and say, God, here I am. I'm nothing without you. I'm everything with you. He can make you from an ordinary man to an extraordinary man. And I hope that God can talk to our hearts and make a difference in this world. You have been called from God to make a difference in this world. Like this great man of God have said in the past, there is nothing that we can do without the presence of God. And my friend, Paul had accomplished so many things in, in life, but he considered all those things as a loss. He said, all my degrees, all my university, that's all lost. But this is the gain that I have in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for your presence in the midst of us. Thank you for calling us and giving us a calling for this ministry, for this church. Thank you for Orange Villa Bible Church that have extended their arms with so much love that I know it comes from you, from all the brothers here, from all the Spanish-speaking people who are here. And later on, we're going to present them, and we're going to show our brothers and sisters, what you have been doing here with us. We have about 14 people, um, men and women. We have about 12 kids who you have brought to this ministry, and they have found Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is the mission that you have given us. And Lord, we want to have a vision so we can bring more for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can reach more for you, Lord. Because there's still many who are lost and don't know you. There's still many walking in their own ways and their own paths. But when they come to know your ways and your paths, they'll be having that joy, that peace, and that salvation that you alone can offer. You said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to God but through me. What a powerful statement to be made. And that's why we follow you, Lord. Because you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. Thank you for this day. We praise you. We love you. And we give you all the honor that you deserve, Lord. 
And we want to tell you, Lord, that you are such an awesome God to us. And Lord, guide us, protect us, help us. And now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. And in the name of Jesus, we have prayed this. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.